I'm Robin. And I'm Wayne. We're investors at VMG Partners, and we help build iconic consumer brands. Every day, some of the world's most fascinating founders share their stories with us before they've made it. Their highs and lows. Mistakes and triumphs. But always extraordinary results. And now we're sharing these stories with you. This is Unfinished Biz. I decided that I was going to sell it at Sephora uh, right when I decided to do the line. So that was like, in my in my head, it was that was a done deal for me. I just didn't even... I didn't know how hard it was. I wasn't in the industry. On this episode of Unfinished Biz, Tiffany Masterson, founder of Drunk Elephant, tells us all her secrets. Drunk Elephant isn't an alcohol or an exotic animal company. It's a skincare line, but not your average skincare line. Because I decided from the very beginning to do everything from my gut, everything, like if if I was going to put it into a partner, uh, put the brand there, it would have to be someplace I shopped myself that I felt right. Because I, I was viewing the brand as just me. So I never viewed the brand as a brand, like giant, like what do I do with it? Where It was more like, this is me, where would I go? Beauty retailer Sephora recently confirmed that Drunk Elephant is the fastest growing skincare company in its history. But an unconventional business approach makes Tiffany's skincare journey truly unique. Is being a founder easy? Of course not. Unfinished Biz starts now. So, Rob, one of the things that was really interesting about our interview with Tiffany was she really didn't intend to be in business. Mm-hmm. She was a stay-at-home mom and perfectly happy at that, but started selling a cleanser back in 2009 as a side hustle. That's right. And then it seemed like what she was selling, she wasn't really quite happy with. And she really wanted to go out and find better ingredients. And that really is what drove her to create Drunk Elephant and this whole new category called Clean Clinical. And we recently caught up with Tiffany in Los Angeles, and she had a lot more to tell us. I wasn't specifically interested in doing anything like making a line. I had no idea that was coming. But I was interested in um, doing something just to kind of make some extra money. I had been one of those people with my skin who I just kind of tried different things. Mm-hmm. Um, brand Hopper, you know, um, had typical issues that people seem to all have. And um, in 2009, my brother and his wife offered me an opportunity to sell a bar cleanser from Malaysia. And it was just this, like, bar that supposedly did everything in the Why world. Why did your brother have a bar from Malaysia? He had a store in Austin. Okay. And so they had this opportunity. They had asked my brother-in-law in Denver to be an investor and purchase a bunch of inventory to bring to the United States. And we were going to be the, not we, but they were going to be the sole distributor in North America. And um, my brother asked me to sell the bar in Houston. And so I started selling it. How, and when much, I, how much inventory are we talking about here? $300,000. Okay. That was so, my, yeah, my sister's husband, Charles. Yep. Um, That's a lot of bars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He bought, <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of bars. Yeah. And he, he, he kind of went on the word of, you know, like, oh, it works. It, it, it seems like this magic great bar or whatever. And the people who made it marketed the bar as this bar that got rid of literally everything. Um, acne, oiliness, dryness, dandruff, everything mm-hmm. under the sun. And so and the directions of use were to use the bar and nothing else. And so I had had issues with rosacea and oily skin, combination skin, just, you know, typical stuff. And when I used it, uh, using it by itself, my issues seemingly were like they were like gone. And so I fell for it. And and the claims were around the ingredients, one like magical ingredient from France and this deep clay from Austria. 
And so for a couple of years, I started selling it to my friends kind of out of my car and at school functions and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And for a couple of years, I, I kind of believed that it was these ingredients that were doing this. And we had conference calls with these people who were making it. And, um, and then so, but, but, you know, and people had issues with it, I would talk them through it. I made myself accessible. Like I decided I'm going to sell this bar and have people call me when they want, email me when they want, and I'll talk them through how to use it. And that kind of turned into me, like looking at other ingredient, other products, like what can I use as a sunscreen, Tiffany, do you have any ideas? And I would tell them, they would call me back. I'm breaking out. I would analyze the ingredient decks. Same with serums, same with, you know, moisturizers. And um, so I got into this back and forth with consumers for two years of, mm-hmm. um, well, don't use that because it has fragrance and don't use that because maybe the chemical screens are breaking you out or whatever, sort of learning about typical ingredients that are kind of found in everything on my own, just not really, I, I wasn't on purpose. It wasn't with a goal of doing a line. It was just trying to help people. And um, eventually I figured out because the cost of goods versus the, I mean, there was no profit built in because we were at the bottom level of a marketing scheme. Mm-hmm. I didn't know um, that at the time. None of us did. Bar. <laughs> and it was funny, right? And there's like, eventually I got enough traction. I got the bar in a magazine or two, tons of um, mentions online, and but couldn't get in a, into a retailer because it was a single SKU, right. no, no profit. Um, and, you know, we would have these conversations. With, I would have talked to my brother-in-law. He'd be like, Oh, gosh, I want my money out of this. You know, <laughs> started to get nervous year two. Um, Guthy Ranker comes along. But before Guthy Ranker thing, uh, I got a, a one-star review on a website called Beautypedia for this bar. And I say I because I was the one, the main one selling this bar, really like out there kind of pushing this bar. And I was so offended by this review. But the review stated these ingredients mean nothing. Uh, that none of these ingredients in the bar support any claims that these people are making. Mm-hmm. So don't waste your money. And I trusted that website, and I, so I took it really seriously. And I started really studying the ingredients. And studying the ingredients, I started. I actually took the ingredient deck and Googled it, like word for word. Mm-hmm. That led me to two other bars in the country, in the world, that were also made from the same stuff. I started researching the people behind it figuring out that they weren't who they said they were. They didn't really make this bar. It was just a purchase thing that they – it's just a base, a very common base actually they bought. So um, with all of that, I went to my brother-in-law Charles and said, "Um, listen, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't believe in the people behind it. I don't trust what's in it. Mm -hmm. And I know now that the ingredients in it don't really support those claims. And so it makes me nervous to even represent it. So can we take whatever we can get? by selling the rest and put it into, if you want, I'll do my own line. I've learned enough about ingredients. I feel. Was this still, were you still selling down to original $300,000 worth of bars? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, and, and with a long way to go, <laughs> I might have, <add. laughs> so, awesome. uh, but I learned a ton of, mm-hmm. of more than I even realized, I think about ingredients and, and maybe certain things maybe to avoid. So I start honing in on, you know, he says, yes, let's do it. And I said, and by the way, instead of just making like bars, I'm not going to make these bars in America and you know, we can make them with a lower cost of goods. We can make a bigger profit. We can get them into retailers and stuff. I think I love the marketing side of this, but at the same time, I think I've learned enough about ingredients to go ahead and do um, a whole line. So instead of making one product and then suggesting what people should use, I'll, I'll just make what they should use and have a whole line of like five or six products. So 
they're just using drunk elephant, mm-hmm. no, not drunk elephant at the time, but they're just using my line. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I had no idea what it was going to be called or anything like that. So, so what did you start out? He with? said yes. Um, you mean name wise? No, no. You said you're, you know, you had an idea for a line. What? what yeah. did you Like how? Did I you sat transition? down. Yeah. I sat down, and I uh, first I decided which products would represent the perfect line. Like, what is everything you need in a skincare routine? And I came up with. You know, a list of, um, you know, a, a bar cleanser, low pH, um, a physical sunblock, a vitamin C, a moisturizing oil, a chemical exfoli- exfoliant, um, and then another bar ended up being a part of that. It started really kind of with five, but it morphed into six, an exfoliating, a physically exfoliating bar. So that was six. Um, and once I had that figured out, I started choosing ingredients, but I didn't know at the time that the typical way to do these things, um, and nobody around me did either, by the way. I wasn't consulting with anybody in the industry. Um, so who, who was around you at that time? My brother-in-law, Charles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and just me and my computer, yep. really. Um, so, I, uh, so I sat down at my computer and basically studying websites that I respected and just reading all about ingredients, reading about toxins and understanding that these so-called toxins that brands were avoiding at that point were more uh, associated with um, potential problems with internal health. So the obvious sort of when the whole all-natural thing sort of took hold, right. the, these were uh, brands that had excluded ingredients like parabens, phthalates, you know, things like this that were associated with um, disruption, internal disruption. I was um, sort of looking more into that was interesting, and I was going to eliminate those ingredients no matter what. I was more interested, though, in the the function of skin mm-hmm. and these ingredients that were marketing ingredients that were in seemingly everything. Um, so I wanted a couple things. I wanted I wanted non toxic. I wanted um, my products to work as well as any like dermatologist brand or clinical brand that we saw out there. Um, high levels of vitamin C, high levels of acids, um, all the pH levels in the right spot. Um, And then I also wanted that same kind of feeling of being safe when you purchase the line. So Mm -hmm. I knew both feelings. I was pregnant three times, had four babies, and I would always go to the natural side when I was pregnant just to be safe. And then the other you know, part, uh, the other times that I would go and look for a new line, it was more like, screw it. I, I, I don't care if it's safe. Right. I just want something to make a difference in my skin. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and, and never finding anything that really fully worked. And so, um, I wanted that those, but to marry both of those emotions of purchasing, um, a product, um, for people. So I did, you know, I made my own lists. I didn't know, uh, what I was going to say before was typically when, a, a brand founder or whatever a brand goes out to make products. I think the typical way from what I understand today is to go and hand over, find a chemist that you love and say, make me a vitamin C. And maybe you've got, you know, your preferences, whatever, right. but I didn't know that. No one told me that. So I spent six months, um, <laughs> yeah, sit in the same spot in my house with my computer, very, very serious, um, studying acids, why they work together, if they work better together, what, what supports them, vitamin C, how it needs to be contained, how it, the pH level, I mean, everything, the physical sunblock. I mean, I literally had every single ingredient written down myself. I chose preservatives that were non-toxic versus other ones. I searched every single roll of every single ingredient. And um, in doing so, 
finding out that chemical screens could be replaced by physical. That was one way that I could take toxicity out right. of the equation. And also, I felt that chemical screens led to breakouts and sensitization, like sensitize your skin. So did you um, come up with formulas that you took to a manufacturer? Yeah, yeah. Point, and, and not formulas with percentages by them. I mean, a few ingredients would Almost have... Almost like a framework. A framework. So right. I want 15% vitamin C. Um, L-ascorbic acid. I chose those things. And then here's the, all the other ingredients I want you to add into the, into the, the mix. So I did like take going to a, a, a world famous chef and saying, make me spaghetti and meatballs, but use these ingredients. So right. I didn't, I didn't, I'm not a chemist. I didn't yeah. know the percentages, but I knew exactly what I wanted each way as a consumer, like my dream vitamin C, my dream chemical exfoliant. Um, this is what these represented. So, and, and, and actually, what I, and what I love is also it's, it's, things that you wanted in there, but also explicitly things that you didn't want in there. So right. things that they were used to actually putting in, they're like, wait, if I were, if they were going to give you sort of, if they were a turnkey establishment, they would just say, oh, I've already got one of those, right? That's like just right. pick this one. That's exactly right. And so they didn't do that. Right. Right. And I picked an individual person to do this with me and we had a very good, um, you know, back and forth between us. It was very, is it still your brother-in-law? Oh, no, no. My chemist. I'm talking, I'm talking now about my chemist. And, and this was like a relationship. Once I had all these things written down, uh, just luck, uh, luck. I called somebody in Los Angeles who was a consultant for somebody I talked to before. Uh, it was actually the Guthy Ranker, uh, this consultant lady. And I said, you know, where do I start? I'm going to do this. She said, you should do it. You, you know, you, you seem to know the ingredient stuff in the marketing. So, Call so and so, and I called that person. That's great. Told them what I was doing. They led me to this person. Led me to this person. And I, right. It was just a thing. And is I that just, how you end up finding your first manufacturer to help you? Once I found commercial. my chemist, then I started asking questions about <laughs> yeah. good man- manufacturers right. she worked with in the past. So that's how that happened. It was just you know, um, just networking and, and, and asking lots of questions and um, about the ingredients I left out. Um, it's true that she was like. You know, I had never heard of that before. I, I, we typically use this or that. Um, are you sure you don't want lemon oil? Are you sure mm-hmm. you don't want, right. you know, so there were lots of high five moments in doing these formulations because they had never had to, it's easier to use marketing ingredients. Was there one thing that in your framework that you had developed that you found that just wasn't possible? No, not, not one thing. I, I, and I, and I was turned down a lot. Right. Um, for sure, I was turned down a lot. Like as far as like um, with the bars, not the same people. The same that they're not made by the same people uh, who who helped me with the other formulations. Mm-hmm. So the two bars were a separate um, a separate deal, and I was told no by several different companies before I found the one who said we'll try. It's going to be challenging, but we'll try. So that always made it more exciting when I knew like if you're having a hard time doing it. That means it doesn't exist kind of thing. Right. Um, so that was great. But the six marketing ingredients that I finally settled on through identifying ingredients and, and giving them roles, um, they truly were just, their role was marketing. Uh, they might be uh, sugar-coated and their role might be uh, as a antioxidant or as a calming agent or as a whatever. But at the end of the day, you could get those benefits or properties from a non-fragrant, non-toxic ingredient like marula oil. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was an easy. I finally identified the six. Um, these are not allowed at all. Plus, all of these over here, these forty ingredients that are toxic that we know are internal 
um, disruptors are also not allowed. Um, but it was the, it was that six that I think that makes drunk elephant different. And I know you I know you talk about this all the time, but for folks who don't know, what are those six ingredients that that are are no nos? So I, I call them the suspicious six because I suspect they're at the root of every single skin issue. Um, and as lo- if the further I go into this, the more I'm convinced of that. And mm-hmm. they are silicones, which are kind of everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, essential oils, which are popular, and you know I'm not the most popular person for saying it, but I think they're damaging. Um, chemical screens, like I said, mm-hmm. uh, SLS, which is a, um, a syn- synthetic detergent that actually penetrates your skin and causes lots of issues there. Um, drying alcohols. There's mm-hmm. good alcohols and there's bad, fatty and, and drying. I avoid the drying ones. Fragrance and dyes is the most obvious, and I actually lump those two together, even though they're not the same thing. I was hoping you'd forget, and I, so yeah, I could put fra- Robin on yeah. the spot. That, Robin, what's, remember? What's that was the actually one? the most obvious one. I thought that- it is. It is. It's the most obvious. <laughs> yeah. and I lump those together yeah. because they're both so pointless in skincare. Mm-hmm. So those are the six, and I think that avoiding those six things um, is a game changer. So once you found a place to to make the product, did you have a name, and did you know where you're going to sell it, or how how to sell it? Well, I thought or decided that I was going to sell it at Sephora uh, right when I decided to do the line. So that was like in my in my head, it was that was a done deal for me. I just didn't even I didn't know how hard it was. I wasn't in the industry, so I just decided, you know. And um, so when I found my manufacturer, and when 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 I had the formulations made and all approved. Um, then I, um, but I guess right they, the step right before that was when I found the marula oil to be my moisture. I was going to go with apricot oil. Um, thank goodness I didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but then when I found the marula, I fell in love with it, and um, and Why? it was just soaked in right away. It felt different. I, I could feel the difference. And I'd been using oils for a while with that other bar that I was selling. I, I started testing out different oils. Um, apricot oil is great, jojoba great, lots of great oils out there, but uh, lots of things to be learned still about oils as well. Um, fragrant, non-fragrant, large molecule, small molecule. I was looking for a non-fragrant uh, bioavailable and highly absorbable oil, and I could feel right when I put it on my hand. I loved it. And I, I, I also I remember saying that day, Argan oil is sort of the it oil right now, um, and I think it's time for sort of a new it oil. There's, there's a, it's now, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and Marula was so I Googled it, found the found the videos of the elephants and animals eating the Marula fruit, acting tipsy, you know, a myth obviously, but right. kind of a break from the heaviness of studying ingredients for all that time and working, 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 trying to get all this together something fun to tell my kids my kids all watch the video and it's just fun and i called i don't know 15 or so people family members friends can i don't think i can name it that i kind of introduced it as a i i hadn't decided to name it that but i don't know drunk elephant i mean i I don't think i can and and just to hear their responses and half of them were like no you can't it's such a cute name but not for skincare line that's silly uh, my grandmother said it was the most asinine thing <laughs> she'd ever heard in her life. My mom didn't like it immediately. So, and then the other people were like, yes, so you, I get it. It's going to, you know, whatever. So no one said they didn't like it. It's just right. that half of them said not to do it. And, right. so, and I knew I had to do it because to me, it's like if you don't know what it is, you ask. It makes you think about what it is. And it gives it, w- it would have given me the opportunity to explain the marula oil, but also it's so on brand right. to have something to fit your personality so much and sort of it's a departure from I, I was looking as like 
okay, so I remember sitting on my friend's couch in Los Angeles going, uh, d- naming like French, calling it French thing. What's the, what's, <laughs> what's the word for um, for skin in French? Because it seems like so many are called French. And, and I'm not a doctor. And, and it's amazing I, how I, many times that actually plays out where people right. are like, I want, I want to use this English word, but it may sound really right. cool in right. French, Italian, or Spanish. Right, right, right. And so it was either French, my name, <laughs> Tiffany Masterson, yeah. which mm-hmm. is laughable. My, I think my brothers and sister would have laughed me out of town. <laughs> like, I, mean, I, I don't take myself seriously. And they would have made fun of me forever if I called awesome. it Tiffany Masterson. And, and I'm not a doctor and I'm not a chemist. So it could not be serious. It didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So drunk elephant. And yeah. That's, I'm, I'm happy that you didn't go down the Google Translate route. That would have been <laughs> funny. <laughs> it would have. It would have. I, I ended up, because I love the Google Translate thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up calling every product has a Google Translate word in that's it. That's true. And it's Afrikaans. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's awesome. But actually, I love the story of, um, and for folks who haven't seen it, they need to check it out, but the actual logo itself and how that came into being. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, can you talk a little the bit logo. about that? Yeah. So I was ready. I mean, I was, I was the one who was, you know, I was like, I want the packaging done before that. I was putting the uh, cart before the horse. And on so many occasions, I did that. Um, and remind me to tape at the Sephora thing, how yeah. I got in touch with them. But yeah. um, so with the logo, I, my husband's a beautiful artist. And I asked him, you know, and I was anxious, um, can you make a, an elephant logo for me? And yeah, 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 I'll get, I'll get to it this weekend. And, you know, he was very busy, so he was going to get to it. And I just couldn't wait. I just wanted to see it. I wanted it on a bottle. And I wanted to send it to my designer that I had chosen to see what that looked like. And um, so I sat down with a stack of paper, and I made my, you know, 14, 13-year-old daughter at the time, um, 13 at the time, daughter, she's still my daughter, um, (laughs) sit with me. And I just said, you're going to sit with me until I get this elephant. And I'm going to know it when I see it, and and that's it. Okay? And I had my black marker and my stack. And, I mean, first one out, it just came out of my hand. No, I, I'm not an artist. I can't even replicate it. Cra- <laughs> crazy. Um, so and, that, and I lifted it up. I said, that's her. That's it. That's my elephant, right? And she was like, I don't know. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. That's, that's, a, that's amazing. I remember hearing the story. and I was like, One I, I, drawing of one elephant. That's the logo. Yeah. And it wow. looks like an iconic yeah, figure, absolutely. by the way. I, I love the fact that, like, Tiffany, when you're like, oh, I... I can't recreate this if I wanted to, no, but it's I couldn't. it's awesome. I, could just yeah, I came out of my, my my you know my husband's a beautiful artist and he he worked so hard on this. I he didn't was think so it was mad. Be He's myself. still mad. No, it's, it's like, <laughs> I think it's more the the more the more typical story of the husband is too slow, and so right. The, right. The, the wife is like, I'm going to do it myself because exactly. you're just dragging your feet. Exactly, so, exactly. Pushy, so that's what happened. Pushy, anxious. Um, <laughs> but I was like, and I showed my daughter. I'm like, look, this is it. And, you know, she's like, rolls her eyes and leaves, walks away. <laughs> No, no comment from Chloe. So, anyway. No, that's great. Yeah. So then how did you actually get from you internally knowing that it belonged, you know, your brand belonged in a Sephora mm-hmm. into actually getting into Sephora? And, and yeah, and I, well, and I just acted as if the whole time. I, I told Charles, my, you know, my brother-in-law, um, I'm going to act like a big brand here, just so you know. And he was so nervous. And <laughs> I mean, it could have really, that, I guess that's one moment where, it could have broken my relationship with him yeah. if this didn't work out and my sister. But um, why is that? Was he? Were they helping you? They fund the business. Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's my original investor, my only investor in the beginning, and um, everything was sort of riding on that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very. Um, but I so I acted as if, and I told him I'm going to act like a big brand, um, and our um, 
website, our formulations, our packaging, our design, our every single thing we do is going to be top of the line. I'm not going to spare any expense. Um, it's not going to be cheap. It's going to be expensive. And that's going to put us on a level right out of the chute that's going to that let us play up there with the big guys. And he thinks I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. He's like, whatever. And I said, and then I'm going to get it in Sephora, and then we're going to sell it. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, okay, Tiffany. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, so um, so I I emailed Sephora, and again I'm 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 overexcited about this because I'm very sure yeah. about it. This whole time I'm very, and I'm not asking anyone's opinion. I'm just very sure <laughs> about this. And so I um, I saw an article with a uh, Sephora, uh, uh, one of the head merchants there, uh, somebody way up top, and I uh, saw her name and. It, it, it was an article about making or breaking. Like this, this brand was saying, I knew I made it when. And they interviewed her to talk about this brand. And I thought, I'm going to just reach out to her and tell her all about my brand. And the, the formulations weren't, I mean, we, we didn't have this stuff packaged yet. I was still designing uh, the, the packaging with my designer. Yeah. And we were close, but we weren't even clo- that close. So, um, hi, I'm Tiffany Masterson, and I've got a brand called Drunk Elephant, and it's a new category. The, you know, kind of thing. Did you call um, her, and email actually, her, or what, what uh, I, format? I emailed her. Okay. Well, so I took her name yep. and every format you could do yeah. of her name. <laughs> we do that all the time, Robin. <laughs> we do do that. We do like four <laughs> different derivations. That's, that's yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's embarrassing when people actually register multiples of their name and they're like, you've emailed me four times. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, With a stick a dot in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Forget the last name. That's right. the, yeah. So yeah, I reached her that way and, um, so, and I was very like you know confident, and, and actually I didn't say it's a new category yet. Um, I believe that she had asked me which category and so where to send me kind of thing. Do I send you to clinical or do I send you to natural for them to check out your line? And I said, oh no, this is a new category. It's a brand new category <laughs> you've never seen before. It's called non toxic, which is what I was calling it at the time. Right. It's since been changed to clean clinical, mm-hmm. um, but there wasn't any brand out there at the time that represented. Mm-hmm. So um, so anyway, so then so she forwarded me, and I talked back and forth, and they said, you know, the obvious, send send your products, and I said, oh, I don't I don't have I don't have my products. <laughs> it's such a new category <laughs> that the product right. doesn't even exist yet. Right. That's right. I don't I don't have any products, but I'll, I'll get back to you. Okay. And then you know, four months later, hi, it's you know from Sephora. Do you, I never got anything. Oh, I don't have anything. Yeah, I, it's all, I'm almost ready. Well, when I got them ready, they were in sort of an interim packaging, and I had this lucite neon lucite box that I thought was the coolest thing I'd ever seen that we designed. And um, I had a hundred of those made, or fifty of those made. Really expensive too, and it was kind of that was this moment where it was like I researched the top beauty directors. Uh, and found their email addresses mm-hmm. and emailed all of them with my spiel on this is a new category, new brand. Um, most of them wrote me back. I got these What's boxes. The beauty, um, the beauty director of the, the, the top magazines. The, okay, top beauty, yeah. the top 30 in the industry. Got it. I saw an article where it said the top 30 beauty directors in the industry come together for this forum, right. whatever, and yep. I'm like, took all their names, found, <laughs> the, found their email addresses, and sent them all um, this thing and got their addresses. Um, sent all of them a box. It was a gorgeous. And even though the packaging wasn't totally final yet because I changed it again over the next year, um, it was representative. It, was, it, it showed the white with pops of color, the lucite box, the vibe. It was They were the cutest, happiest boxes you've ever seen. And they had the six products as they were at that time. And this is before I hired a PR agency. So 
I sent those out to all of them, and that got me some traction. So there was a first honeymoon period with Drunk Elephant and the and the press. What year was this? 2013. Okay. So was, in, was there a team at that point at all? No, I know, no. So this is just you. Well, it was me and, uh, and the chemist. My uh, yes, um, she's not on my team though. This right. was she, she was somebody I right. right. Yeah. And then my designer, who also was not on my team right. at that point. So it was just me and my brother-in-law Brother Charles. That was it. And I had a lady in Los Angeles just kind of consulting, mm-hmm. uh, c- kind of dr- helping me with the manufacturing thing, making sure that they got what they needed, that yep. kind of thing. Right. Um, so it was, you know, so there was this phase between 2000, uh, August 15th, 2013 is when I opened up my website for the first time to sell the products. Yeah. And then 2014, July. So that whole period of time, almost a year, was me tweaking kind of, you know, figuring out what the weak spots were. I changed the formulations of the bars during mm-hmm. that period of time. Um, I changed the packaging on the serums during that period of time. So those were kind of working out some kinks. And so um, during that whole year, the, the editors are falling in love with the line, and I'm not really ready yet. <laughs> and they're posted, putting it in magazines. They're starting to put it in on the web, on the, on the Internet. And Sephora at this time still hasn't gotten they, – they didn't get the neon box. No, Only but the they're seeing – no, they but didn't. They're seeing it through They're seeing it in the news. Yeah. Yep. And so they wrote, wrote me again. So close to July 2014, which is when I went to Las Vegas to Cosmoprof. That was my goal. I was going to – I was in the new discovery, the discovery room, and mm-hmm. I was so excited to be chosen – to be in the discovery room, and that was my day to meet with retailers, and I thought they'd be there. And I was so disappointed when I got the list because they weren't on the list. Everybody mm-hmm. else in the world was, but they weren't on that list. And so I went anyway and had my booth, and, and I you know I had bags to that I'd created. So um, that was this Cosmoprof, this Vegas thing, and I, I had gotten my list of retailers. I was super, super excited um, to get it, and when I got it, Sephora wasn't on it, and I – you know, I'm disappointed. But anyway, I went and I went anyways, and and I had all my bags uh, made up, very cute to give to people who came by my booth. And my sister Lisa went with me, mm-hmm. just the two of us, mm-hmm. and we decorated. And she got M and M's made with a little thing, with very detailed. Every single mm-hmm. detail of the booth was, I thought, in my opinion, and, and Lisa's, <laughs> <laughs> we thought it was the best booth there. And it it was just exciting, and everybody came by, and I met with my each retailer off like in the corner, and and um, so it was it was very exciting. And then this, these people came by, and, and as they came by, you know, everyone hid their tags, and I talked to this, these these three ladies who came by for I don't know. I came, by, I talked to them for thirty minutes, just like I'm talking right now. Right. I just never. I rambled, rambled, rambled. And what Lisa's you know, kind of trying to step on my toe, kind of like it was Sephora, and I didn't know it. And then they came by the next day, and then they came. We were there for three days, so mm-hmm. they came by four times. They finally introduced <laughs> themselves. Yep, we are Sephora, and I, you know, like, you know, I'm sweating or whatever. I'm very <laughs> excited. I gave them all their bags. Yep. they seemed interested. They seemed excited. They even said that someone had come by the day before and couldn't quit talking about the line. And then they walked away on the last day, and 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 the 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 girl who ended up bringing me on, bringing me into Sephora, and this was. July. So she said, 2014. Yeah, 2014. And she said, um, thank you so much, you know, for, um, for your time and talking to us. And, you know, we're not picking any new brands up for 2015. Um, but let's keep in touch and send me any updates you have. And, and I literally, I was like, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) But not in a cocky way. Right. Right. It wasn't that it was just determination. 
it, it was just, I knew. Yeah. I was like, okay, you know, talk to you soon. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, I just, but it wasn't cocky. I can't explain it. It was mm-hmm. just, I know that this will happen kind of thing. And um, she called me two weeks later. She emailed me. Hi, uh, can we get on the phone and talk about a potential partnership? I said, yes, you know, I, I, I gave her a time. I took the call um, from uh, vacation in Jackson Hole. Mm-hmm. And with a friend, with there with a friend, I said, "I'm not going to go to lunch today. I got to go back to your house and take a phone call." I didn't tell anybody um, except for the obvious people mm-hmm. in my family, you know, my husband Charles uh, um, and my brother-in-law Charles. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't. She, it was just I just was, was tears streaming down my face, you know. And she told me we would go in January 2015 right mm-hmm. away. Wow. Right away. So they gave us our forecast and started working on it. I had two people I had hired by this point mm-hmm. just to kind of help in, in Houston. And, and you, the same six, pro- the same product set that you had originally put in the neon box. Yeah, same six yeah. products. Yeah, I had, uh, yeah, that's what they launched with six products. Um, and they even said, you know, should you know what do you think is the most? What are, what are your best SKUs? What do you think will do the best? Which we launched with, and I was like, you got to launch with all of them. They they have to stay together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just very like right. it's a system, yeah. And so um, we launched on dot com in January, and then um, launched in stores uh, in January, like April, I think, um, in twenty one doors. And then by the following September, we were in every door. Um, they, they, I, remember, I remember driving, getting the phone call. You're going in every door on the favorite on the favorites wall. And that'd be September twenty sixteen. No, no, September 2015. 2015. Yeah. Okay. 2015. So we were in every door by September 2015 on the favorites wall. And on, and then we kind of, on, on the end caps, we sort of kept getting bigger, 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 um, like that. So we, I think we sold out or we did our forecast for the year in the first month. Uh, it was a very small forecast. We, no one knew, I think. Right. They were just testing. How and, it would and, go. Yeah. yeah. So we were sold out of some of the top products for, or pretty, right away and so that was a learning thing that year was catching up figuring out and getting the right people on the team then the following how did sephora year. feel about any out of stock or type the, i don't think any of us knew what you know we didn't i don't think anyone knew what to expect it was okay because how can you forecast a brand that just you have no just idea start, yeah, just started yeah right. we just started yeah. and we didn't go slow at all we went so fast that it was hard it took us a while today we're we 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 have it down. You know, we we're 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 in stock most of the time. Although <laughs> we're out of stock right now, it's a surprise on a product that hasn't performed as well is all of a sudden outperforming. And so we're we're that keeps happening. And mm-hmm. I think there's a halo effect when like we launched a new product that did better than we anticipated. We're trying. We're hoping to keep up on that one, but then no one's paying attention to this one over here right. and it comes up and we're out of stock on that now. So, so what'd you do when you got into Sephora and you expanded and you dealt with some out of stock issues? Did you hire a team? Did you raise capital? What did you do? Yeah, it just happened in phases. We did hire a team. Um, I was lucky, uh, to find, um, we did, we did bring one, uh, industry veteran on who was able to help sort of guide a little bit, find me an operations person. Um, who ends up being the best operations person, uh, head of operations. I mean, she's, she's, she's legendary. Yeah, she's great. She's great. <laughs> um, so just, you know, we got lucky. We just did. I mean, we, we, we have the best people. And, and that just sort of as we went and started growing, 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 as it became obvious that we needed to bring in some more money. Um, but before know. that, were there other family members involved? So, what, what, so what's the family um, eventually, dynamic? So, so for a long while, it was just 
me and Charles. Right. And then at some point, it was like Charles was getting nervous, mm-hmm. and we needed to bring in a little bit more money. There's a fellow in Dallas that I can't believe I just said fellow. I've never said that before. <laughs> <laughs> There's a fellow in Dallas yeah. who was a trusted, yeah, a trusted uh, a a friend of my brother, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he uh, was interested. And so I went to flew to Dallas and gave him my pitch, and he was in. And so, um, and then um, one other uh, guy came in, a very small investment. Like friends and family, um, just kind of right. basically friends and yeah. family. Ultimately, yeah. my brother came in, um, which was exciting, you know. Um, and then so, uh, so then we had the money from that point, and it wasn't ever a matter. Uh, we ended up bringing in uh, VMG, as mm-hmm. you know, um, and that was like this. Okay, now it's time to grow up. We're, we have to build a team with the best of the best and we have to start expanding globally. Now I had put the brakes on this whole time. I never ever wanted to spread this thing out or get everywhere. I wanted to be in Sephora and I was very clear um, that that's kind of like um, I wanted to get my legs on the ground and be really, really sturdy before I started branching out. So I think one thing I did different than, than a lot of brands from what I hear mm-hmm. um, is just Try to stay really tight and clean on my distribution. I didn't want it everywhere. Um, and to this day, it's very clean. It's it's just Australia. We're in Australia and Mecca. We're in um, Canada, um, uh, Sephora. And then we're in the United States, Sephora. And then we'll launch UK and Singapore this year. But still going so slowly, but just making sure that we're doing it right. Which is tough, right? Because I think when you're... You've got momentum. You've got some buzz. Everyone's calling, right? right? And being being able to say that, hey, we're going to do X, Y, or Z with your brand in X, Y, or Z territory. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I do think that is a testament to some really good judgment of kind of keeping it clean and keeping it tight um, from a distribution perspective. Yeah, and that that wasn't um, something I. It, it wasn't on purpose because I just, again, I you got to remember I did not know what I was doing. My brother came in and helped me. He had never been in anything like this before. My brother-in-law certainly stayed silent the whole time. <laughs> he was scared to death, shaking over in Colorado, like shaking in his boots. But um, it's, it's, it's because I decided from the very beginning to do everything from my gut, everything. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I was going to put it into a, 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 part, a retail partner, uh, put the brand there, it would have to be someplace I shopped myself that I felt right because I, I was viewing the brand as just me. So I never viewed the brand as a brand, like mm-hmm. giant. Like, what do I do with it? Where it was more like, this is me. Where would I go? And and I think that that was really key to um, keeping it, you know, keeping it relatively clean and under control, and it, not a whole lot to clean up when when VMG came in. Thankfully, thankfully, sure. so we could focus on the important things like getting the right team in place. So where's the brand go from here? What's your vision for what Drunk Elephant can become? Well, so we're launching um, in the U.K. uh, later on this year, and we're also launching in Singapore. And I think personally, I mean, my gut tells me that uh, Singapore, Korea, um, that those countries are going to really love the line. Um, It's going to do better than expected there. And But just we want to prove ourselves in certain regions and, you know, just make sure the line does what it's supposed to do and also keep formulating and, and, and launching products that are relevant and necessary to the line that's also a challenge because everyone wants you to launch a bunch of things and Mm -hmm. so again going back to my gut only really staying clear on um, what belongs in the line and so don't want to grow the line huge um but just want to really tread 
cautiously when you know because you've got to build it right. you've got to you've got to add to it or whatever so there's some challenges you know with that um but i just think it's you know i've got things sort of, sort of formulated out through 2020 um so i can really focus on copy and social media has been a major part mm-hmm. of the success of drunk elephant i think um and just kind of staying slow and steady Still, I think it'll. I think it's one day it'll sell. I hope, God willing, you know that it'll sell, mm-hmm. um, and to the right person, so uh, the right buyer who mm-hmm. who is on brand and who shares my vision and who let me keep you know um, stay with my vision, and um, hopefully all that will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, not in a rush at mm-hmm. all, um, but although I sometimes that's not in my control. I know you know it's just going to happen when it's supposed to happen. But um, until then, we have, like, the best team I could ever have dreamt of. And um, I'm so grateful that I've had these types of people. We all share the same values. Yeah. And it's all about people for me, and it always has been, just about having the right people around me. Um, I, I sleep very well at night. I've got people who really have my back. So. And you were very, very careful in picking out that team because that wasn't sort of a one-month process by any means, right? That was... Lots of conversations. Absolutely. And, you know, and again, like picking my retail partners, Mm -hmm. picking you guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's about it's about people and and what they stand for and what their values are. I mean, we don't have anybody cocky on our team. Mm -hmm. There's nobody that's intensely competitive. Mm -hmm. Um, Nobody negative. Everybody's kind. It's 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 very flat. It feels flat. It doesn't feel like someone's on top and someone's on the bottom. We're in it together. It's a team. And um, and you've been able to do that while hiring true rock stars in the industry, the best. which is a, the even, best. you know, I, to be yeah. able to balance ego and, and having it be a, a maybe, very balanced, right. well, good maybe culture. there's something to this. Well, maybe there's something to a true rock star having, uh, not having a huge ego. That's yeah. Right. Well, I think it really does I mean, sort of start from the top in the sense that that's not your persona by any means. And also right. just the people who are sort of also leading the charge, um, on sort of the, the operations of the business as well you know, they're not, they're not that. Right. right? So yeah, they're not, then it exactly. makes it hard for anybody to be that, to be totally honest. If, if the people at the top aren't like that. Exactly. So. And also every single one of us knows that it's not done by one person. Mm-hmm. There's no so one true. on my team, including myself who would ever say I'm responsible for drunk elephant. Right. It's just not the case. It's not the truth. True team so, effort. Yeah. You guys have a lot of fun on top of that. And we have, a, <laughs> we have a blast yeah. every day we wake up and there's good news. And, um, we just remain grateful, and I think there's a – I sort of have a, a, a thing in my head where before the end of every day, I have to accomplish at least one thing. I don't care if it's in copy, in an idea, in a name, uh, in, a, in an idea for a video or a product or whatever it is, something significant that makes me feel like I've contributed and done – done what I was supposed to do for that day to make this keep going. Um, I, I can, I've never woken up and thought, oh, we're there, and mm-hmm. this is a done deal in the bag. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's anything can change tomorrow. So every day that's my thing. I do one thing that I feel is really valuable to the survival and success of Drunk Elephant. So I've already done that. I've already done my thing today. And I, think, I think the <laughs> other thing that I, I've definitely noticed is sort of staying true to that gut that you talked about before, but also – sort of challenging norms just because right. that's the way it's done. That's never been enough for you. Right. Yeah. You've always, that, that's not a good, that's not a, that's a terrible answer, right? right. Like uh, that doesn't mean that I'm going to do it that way. Right. And, and that's something right. that I think 
it's it's been part of the true north of the brand, right? Is yeah. that mm, just because that's the way it is? That's not how doesn't we're going to do it. Doesn't mean it's that way for us. Right. It doesn't fit in my vision. Right. Um, and and that's I think I'm becoming known with my team as someone who doesn't. I mean, I don't I don't look around at other brands. I don't have a competitive bone in my body as far as outside. Mm-hmm. Personally, I don't compete with other people. I can pro- compete with myself. And you either are that way or you're not, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just in that way. And I don't really, like, you won't walk in my office and see a wall full of competitor products. We don't look. We don't get the emails from competitors. We don't, we don't, we don't, we just don't. I don't know any other brand stories on mm-hmm. purpose, not because I'm not interested. It's all great. Maybe one day I'll sit down and learn more about other brands mm-hmm. in my space. But for now, I don't want anything in my head to cloud my judgment or my right. gut. Um, be, and, and, and I don't, I'm not, Sephora knows this about me. They'll tell you I'm not one to take an idea and just do it because they're suggesting or because it's a trend. Um, I feel like whatever I decide to make is right for the brand. Um, maybe we'll create a trend, hopefully. I don't know, mm-hmm. but we're not going to follow um, trends are being, and we're so far out of left field. My designer comes from Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. She's inspired by fashion. I'm inspired by um, by health and wellness. Mm-hmm. I'm inspired Nothing wrong by with food. Houston. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, so sitting so far out from the industry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing really wrong with Houston. Yeah, Houston's a great place, but we're just we're just out there doing our thing, and yeah. that's why it feels different. Right after the break, we'll be back with our guest, Drunk Elephant founder Tiffany Masterson. Unfinished Biz is a VMG Partners production. You can find us at unfinishedbiz.com and on Twitter at unfin underscore biz. You can also subscribe to our podcast for free on iTunes or any podcast app of your choice. We're always looking for suggestions and questions, so reach out. Okay, back to our show with Drunk Elephant founder Tiffany Masterson. Is there a particular high point or that you, it really resonates in where you've got, how you've gotten here? Um, you mean like news, like a high point? Like yeah, high the, point in your own journey. You just, or, or just a high point in your journey where what, like it could be, wow, we got Sephora. What, what, yeah. what, I mean, what? that was, that was a huge high point. I think um, I, we recently won the WWD Indie Brand of the Year Award, which I, I guess going back, if I hadn't been in Sephora, that probably wouldn't have happened. So it has to be the day I got in Sephora. Um, they've been an incredible partner to me. And so I think that's why we, we're, we are where we are today. For sure, but yet there have been so many unbelievable things that have happened. Mm-hmm. So, well, and then you know, as being an entrepreneur, not every day is rainbows and unicorns. Is there a, a particular low point that sticks into, sticks out in your mind? Uh, it's, it, gosh, um, you know, I think I, I would say that you know, I think for me, like personally, I'm a very sensitive person, and I take everything to heart, and I want everyone to be happy. I would see, I would say that there are some things on social media that sort of take you down and you kind of go this is this is hard and mm-hmm. how do you sustain this and keep going and um, that's my low point as a as a founder someone this is my baby kind of thing I mean we're human beings back right. here and I think we're in that that unfortunate um, age where people feel like they can come on and be mean and bully and badger and say awful things and it's I, I'm never going to get used to it. I don't want to learn how to get used to it or mm-hmm. toughen up by that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I would say that as a founder and just in this industry has been a low point for me, just realizing that that's just the way it is and you have to get used to it. But it's that's not one time that happened. That's just a kind of an ongoing thing that I'm aware of 
that upsets me. But um, other than that, I focus on the people who have been – I mean, the industry itself has been I'm, – I'm throwing out there some kind of uh, controversial statements on ingredients every day. The industry has been nothing but welcoming and warm. Other founders have been wonderful. But the the, the, the press, the, the strategics, the, I mean, it's just been – Everyone's been so kind and so nice. So I'm not going to focus on the negative, but that mm-hmm. is a low point in social media, I think. It's hard. Sure. And it's also been one of the best things that I've – for the company too. So, well, And I think you actually are someone who you're looking for constructive criticism, right? And I mean that's part of the reason why this brand it. even exists. Right. And I love the sort of that ethos of, hey, if we can make – a product better let's do that right Right. like let's reformulate let's make it better and then you know it doesn't necessitate potentially a new product but that's constructive criticism right i I think there's you know comments on the other side of things and it's not just in this industry it's across the board in every industry i'm sure it's it's not constructive it's just nature of social media yeah it's just you know it's more bullying than anything else i think it's a problem i mean i think it's growing growing out of control problem um, but you know now, but I'm learning that I focus on answering the questions, folks. I don't look around, mm-hmm. and, and I, you can do it. You can do it that way. But so that makes sense. So what's you actually mentioned that you sleep pretty well at night. But if if there is a night that you actually are <laughs> having a hard time getting to bed, what's what's keeping you up at night? I, I'd say the only thing that gets gets worries me, upsets me is um, is feedback if it's mm-hmm. negative on a, on a product I've just launched. Mm. Um, I think, I mean, like I said before, my team around me, that, that helps me sleep at night. Mm-hmm. I know that they've got my back and they're out there representing the way they should and I don't have to worry about that. If I get into any trouble, I know where to turn. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a really good feeling. It's like having a solid family around you that you know. It's a structure, you know, um, solid structure. But um, I would say after I launch a, a, a that, that, that those days right after you launch a brand new product, just kind of, uh, I know. Is it, you never know. <laughs> right. You don't know. Yeah. And so, and I, and I'm not big, like I don't have big panel. I mean, I've got some panel testers out there, but I just kind of, again, go from my right. gut. So I'm like, you hope. And so we've been lucky so far. There's been one a product that did, you know, within the days after launch, um, I found out wasn't a good, mm-hmm. just wasn't going to work. And so, and that's, Sickening. That could be a low point too. But I just announced that I'm going to redo it, and mm-hmm. I redid it, and it all turned out well. So I think not hiding from um, your mistakes and, and and not acting like it's not there and doesn't exist. Going out there, I work. They're my boss. These consumers and mm-hmm. fans on and, on social are they're my boss. I do what they say because that they demand it. They're they're paying their money. That's right. And so it's my responsibility to hear them and act. And so. The scariest things, like a rejection of a product, you can turn around and go, okay, you know what? That's fine. It's not always going to be perfect. I'm human. Mm-hmm. And so we can fix it by just being honest and listening and fi- acting, you know? And so that's, you know. Well, and I think people appreciate that degree of transparency and honesty, right? right. It's right. like, hey, this wasn't perfect, right? Let's make it so. Right. So, right. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. So we've gotten to know Tiffany quite well. Uh, Drunk Elephant is a VMG portfolio company, and it's been phenomenal getting to know not just the company and her, but honestly, Tiffany's entire family. Uh, Many individuals in the family have played integral roles in the journey of Drunk Elephant, including her older brother, Patrick. And so just kind of watching everybody be a cheerleader for Tiffany and for the company, that's been amazing. On top of that, Back in the day on episode two, we actually interviewed man repellers Leandra Medine, who was also an investor, a cheerleader, and a confidant of Tiffany's. 
So it's not only her family and man repeller, but a number of beauty rock stars joined. So she's now surrounded by A-plus talent that we believe will propel Drunk Elephant to become the most iconic skincare brand of our generation. So when you're not developing or launching new products, what do you do outside of outside of work? Um, I work a lot. I work a lot. <laughs> That's I true. love to cook. I'm with my kids. I When I'm in Houston, I'm home. I have an office, but I try to be home uh, and present when I'm in Houston and sort of doing the laundry if I can and getting, you know, mm-hmm. just running the kids back and forth and carpool and stuff like that. So going to games a lot. I've got a new puppy. Um, <laughs> and so, so yeah, yeah. And I've got, <laughs> yes, yeah, so cute and so destructive. <laughs> and, um, but just, just, you know, really trying to live my life and be with my family and that's they're the most important thing to me and um got my best friends in Houston and so um I'm really very present when I'm present when I'm there um and I travel a ton so that's been a challenge but mm-hmm. it's it's all I think it's been good for my kids in a way um I try to take whoever I can with me when I when I when I go and um but yeah so and you mentioned you have daughters. You must be a real rock star in that community with all <laughs> my the daughters. drunk elephant products. <laughs> Only because uh, the other founders, like the Two Faced guys and Glam Glow, and all the people, the Way, Jen Atkin, yep. all, all the all the people who have sent product my way, just because they're nice people. My girls are like they think that's the best thing that's ever happened in the world. Um, but you know they're they're starting to take me seriously, but only because of. Um, uh, BuzzFeed. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and, Kim, and and the Kardashian girls. That's um, funny. When the Kardashian girls put uh, my stuff on their uh, apps, which I, I'm told uh, this has happened several times now, but mm-hmm. only by my kids. Right. They send me screenshot during school, right. Or BuzzFeed. Right. That's that's how that's how you get you know. Mom um, street cred. Yeah, exactly. Street cred in my house is Kardashian. <laughs> All right, Tiffany, it's game time. It's our signature game, rapid fire, 60 seconds. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. You ready? I'm ready. All right. The first thing you read every day is? Social media. What's your favorite movie? Grease. Who's your celebrity crush? Rob Lowe. Karaoke song you're most likely to belt out? Oh, Juju on that beat. Nice. Your hometown (laughs) is famous for? Uh, Oil. What's your guilty pleasure? Pizza. First car you ever drove? Oh gosh, um, uh, uh, it's a powder blue, um, like I, I, some sort of an ugly sedan. Thing. I don't know. <laughs> Forget the name. Nice runner-up name for your business that didn't make the cut. Mm, FaceTime with a PH. Interesting. I didn't know that. Do you recline on airplanes? Do I? Rec- re- oh, yes. Nice. As much if as you possible. Could, if you <laughs> if you could drink one thing for the rest of your life besides water, what do you choose? Mm. Kombucha. What was your last New Year's resolution? Uh, to give up gluten. Mm. If you were stranded on an island and you could only bring one thing, what would it be? My husband. Last hashtag you used? Um, let's dance. Where is the next place you'd like to travel? Italy. If a movie was made of your life, you'd be played by? Oh, gosh. I, um, I think Sandra Bullock. Nice. Talent you don't have but wish you did. Dan- uh, backup dancer, <laughs> but I think I might. But <laughs> What's your most hated food? Avocado. If you could be any pro athlete, who would you be? Nice. That's okay. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good All job. Right. 
So for our budding entrepreneurs out there, any words of wisdom? I just don't look around. No matter the industry, follow your gut. Don't listen to the outside. There's lots of noise out there. If you just follow your gut and, and listen to your internal voice on almost every single decision, um, you'll, you'll, you'll stand out. You'll be um, um, unique in the space, and um, that keeps you, it keeps you um, different and exciting. All right. Well, Tiffany Masters, thanks for joining us on Unfinished Biz. Thanks for having me. Thanks. You've been listening to Unfinished Biz. I'm Robin. And I'm Wayne. We'll be back on the next episode with Eric Ryan, co-founder and CEO of Ollie, a line of gummy vitamins, smoothies, and protein bars that address sleep, stress, good skin, and energy. But this isn't Eric's first rodeo. Prior to Ollie, Eric learned some valuable and sometimes painful lessons as the co-founder of household cleaning brand, Method. I think the biggest challenge with being an entrepreneur is just overcoming your own head games and sense of self-confidence. And it's so daunting when you think about where you sit, you know, in your bedroom with an idea versus what you want to go build. And so what we did is we just broke everything down to bite-sized little steps. And so in the beginning, I didn't even think about it starting a company. I was just thinking, do I have a good idea? And that's all I focused on. That's next time on Unfinished Biz. Unfinished Biz is a VMG Partners production. You can subscribe to our show for free in any podcast app of your choice. Send us questions, comments, and feedback on Twitter at unfin underscore biz and visit us at unfinishedbiz.com.